I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The whole idea of an individual carbon footprint was created by public relations executives from the oil industry. And the idea was, let's try to shift the burden of the climate crisis onto individuals. Because if we can get them thinking about themselves, they won't be thinking about our products as much. And so my whole book is like, don't fall for that. Hello, and welcome to We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. I'm your resident kid, Zachary, from Los Angeles, California. I may only be 11 years old, but I want to spark big change for my generation's future. And I'm Claire, Zach's teacher. I pop in from time to time to learn from Zach and brainstorm climate solutions. We have an exciting show for you today. Heather White is here, author of One Green Thing, and will test your climate IQ with this week's trivia game and leave you with an exciting action step of the week. Before we kick things off, I'm getting word that we have an important wacky weather report. We'll bring you there now. What does Volcano say at dinner time? Any idea? I'll tell you. I'd really love a pizza right now. Volcanoes are some mighty sights to be seen, and you certainly do not want to be near one when it erupts, am I right? Along with the molten lava, loud noises, and smoke, there are, surprise, surprise, some interesting and concerning weather and climate effects that come along with these lovely things called volcanoes. One immediate effect of a large volcanic eruption can be a thunderstorm. All of the ash particles thrown into the atmosphere are perfect for attracting and collecting water droplets. The theory is that lightning is caused by these particles moving through the air and separating positively and negatively charged particles. This can create dramatic weather and thunderstorms. Grab your umbrellas. Well, not metal ones, of course. Interestingly, volcanic eruptions can sometimes cool the Earth and other times contribute to global warming. It hasn't been entirely figured out yet, but the theory is that larger particles of sulfuric acid 
from the volcano will let in sunlight, but block heat from escaping into the atmosphere. This results in the famous greenhouse gas effect of warming the climate. But sometimes, if those particles are smaller, they are able to block some of the sun's energy, and the Earth can actually cool off a bit, which, as we know, is <coughs> magnificent. Another interesting theory, which is somewhat controversial and not yet proven, is that volcanic activity in the East Pacific region could be a contributing factor to the El Nino phenomenon, which is the rise of warm waters to the top of the ocean's surface in the Pacific Ocean. This impacts global warming patterns. Dr. Dan Walker at the University of Hawaii has noticed a considerable correlation between volcanic activity and the El Nino cycles over the past 25 years. That concludes your wacky weather forecast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. We bring you now to your interview with Heather White. Today's guest is an environmental lawyer, author, and activist, Heather White. Heather wrote the book One Green Thing, where she inspires service and action through a tool called Service Superpower Assessment. Heather also founded a nonprofit organization, One Green Thing, which focuses on finding practical ways to help solve the climate crisis and turn climate anxiety into climate optimism. Welcome, Heather. Thank you, Zach. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Tell us a little bit about your background. What inspired you to get involved in climate activism? I grew up in East Tennessee, so I spent a lot of my early childhood hiking and camping near Great Smoky Mountain National Park. But it wasn't really until I decided to go to college that I focused in environmental science. And in 1992, there was a book that came out by the senator, the then senator of Tennessee, Al Gore, and it was called Earth in the Balance. And that was an important book for me to read about the climate crisis. And so I got very active in environmental policy. I worked on Capitol Hill. I worked on political campaigns, including President Gore's 2000 presidential campaign. Excuse me, he was not president, vice president Gore's 2000 campaign. And I also worked for several environmental nonprofits. But it wasn't until I had kids. My kids really inspired me to write this book and take my climate action to the next level. How else does being a parent? change the way you see the climate crisis? Well, being a parent changed everything about how I see the climate crisis, Zach. That's such a great question. The reason I wrote this book and the reason I started diving into the mental health impacts of the climate crisis was a dinner table conversation. In September 2019, my older daughter, who was a freshman in high school, ninth grade, she asked permission to walk out of school during the Greta Thunberg-inspired climate strike here in Bozeman, where we live. And in Montana, we have blizzards a lot, but we don't have thunderstorms. It's actually pretty rare. And the day of the walkout, there was supposed to be a thunderstorm. And she had a very heavy backpack and a trumpet. And I just, without even thinking, Zach said, you know what, honey, why don't I just pick you up from school and then I'll drive you to the climate rally. And Zach, let me just say that didn't go over very well when I offered to pick her up from a walkout and drive her to a climate rally in my car that is fueled by gasoline. <laughs> so she was, she said, wait, what? You're going to pick me up and drive me to this climate rally. You're worried about my backpack. You're worried about my trumpet. What about my future? 
And then she said, mom, you know, where are the baby boomers? Where's Gen X? Where are the millennials? You can't leave the climate crisis all on our shoulders. We feel so alone. And my younger daughter was, was agreeing with her. And then my daughter started crying and I realized that, you know, this has been my life's work, Zach. I've been in climate policy and advocacy for 20 years. And if my kids felt alone in climate action, what was happening around other dinner tables. So through that, I realized two things. I realized I needed to research the mental health impacts of the climate crisis, especially on young people. And two, I needed to create a way for more people to see themselves in the movement and make sure people realize that everyone is welcome. Everyone is needed in the climate movement because we need to create a better future for the next generation. And so that's why I wrote the book. So being a parent has made me look at the climate crisis in such a different way because I'm trying to encourage people to start thinking like an awesome ancestor and start thinking about what our legacy is going to be to your generation and other future loved ones that we haven't met yet. Can you explain the concepts of climate anxiety and climate optimism? And yes. Between those two ideas. So climate anxiety has just, it's a new term. It's recently been defined by the Oxford English Dictionary and the American Psychological Association uses the term eco-anxiety. But whether it's eco-anxiety, climate anxiety, soul nostalgia, climate despair, climate grief, the idea is that it's a chronic fear of environmental doom. And it's an extreme worry about the weather events we are witnessing because of climate change and the future that we're inheriting. And so I kind of look at this idea of climate anxiety or eco-anxiety now is an overall worry about the future. And climate optimism really focuses on the solutions because the reality is, Zach, that we have all of the climate solutions we need. We've got wind, we've got solar, we've got opportunities for nature-based solutions like blue carbon, like all kinds of forest sinks if we really focus on preventing deforestation. We have a tremendous opportunities with technology and with science, but what's missing is the political will globally. And that's where climate optimism focuses on. What's missing is the political will. We have all the solutions. We need to start talking about solutions and we need to start talking about the future we want to create and make sure people know, everyone knows that they have an important role to play. A carbon sink is almost anything that absorbs more carbon dioxide from the atmosphere than it releases. The term blue carbon refers to the carbon stored in coastal and marine ecosystems. The so-called blue carbon ecosystems, mangroves, tidal, and salt marshes, as well as seagrasses, are highly productive coastal ecosystems that are particularly important for their capacity to store carbon within the plants and the sediments below. Scientific assessments show that they can sequester two to four times more carbon than terrestrial forests and are thereby considered a key component of nature-based solutions to climate change. Tell us about the premise of your book in Foundation, One Green Thing, and Finding One's Service Superpower. The premise of the book and the organization is that everyone has a unique role to play in climate action. And I realized as I found that more and more young people are worried about the future, and you were probably aware of this, sack, but last year in September 2021, there was a global survey of 10,000 young people, ages 16 through 25. 
And nearly half, so 47%, nearly half said that climate anxiety interfered with their daily life. And one in four do not want to have children of their own because they're so worried about the climate crisis. And that's a wake-up call for older generations. One in four don't want to have children. It's not a lifestyle choice. They don't want to have children because they're worried about the climate crisis specifically. So if we're at a point where young people don't want to bring other young people into this world, that is a time for us all to pause and reflect. And so the premise of the book is that we need to do something about this, that your generation and even younger generation, Generation Alpha, they are seeing the impacts of the climate crisis and older generations have an ethical duty to help you all know you are not alone. So in the book, I realized through my research on like, how do you get people involved? How do you get people to change behavior? How do you get people to see themselves as agents for progress? And the research shows that someone is more likely to change their behavior if that decision connects to their sense of identity. And I call that the law of identity in the book. And that's what inspired me to create the service superpower assessment. And so what's interesting, Zach, is that like if you, let's say, you know, someone wants to get in shape. And if you say, I'm going to swim three times a week, you're less likely to keep up that habit of swimming. But if you say, hi, I'm Heather, I'm a swimmer, I am a swimmer, you're more likely to keep that behavior up because you see yourself as a swimmer. It's part of your identity. And so I tried to unlock that research and this assessment. And so my assessment is a little bit like Myers-Briggs or Enneagram or Strength Finders. Sounds funny, but Enneagram is a kind of personality test that can tell you what kind of thinker and feeler you are. It's a kind of system that describes patterns in how people interpret the world and manage their emotions. Try it out. It's a really cool way to discover things about your psyche. Heather's test is a little bit different than the Enneagram, though. It relates to what kind of service you are best suited for. But the question is, who are you in service? How do you show up for the people you love? And the idea is based on what your strengths are in service, I then match you to this daily practice of sustainability, this idea of a one green thing, because your one green thing can help change the culture. And that's what we need for the big climate solutions to take hold. I took the assessment and I'm the philanthropist, I think. I like how you wrote that the philanthropist is about the active effort included volunteering, connecting, and donating. So how can implementing small changes make a big impact? Well, Zach, first of all, I'm a philanthropist too. So I love that. And I love that you're the giver. That's what the philanthropist is. And that's the person who shows up for people by donating time and resources. It's kind of a big word, right? Philanthropist. And a lot of people think I'm talking about the guy from the Monopoly game with the monocle, you know, on it, but that's not it. It's the, it's the giver. So I love that. I think also the important thing about the service superpower assessment is whether or not you're the adventurer or the beacon or the influencer or the philanthropist or the spark or the sage or the wonk. Everyone has an important role and you don't have to be all things to all people. I think that that's an exciting thing for people. And so I think that's important for people to see their roles. But the reason individual action is so important. And I think what happens is people get caught up in like counting carbon and they think about their individual carbon footprint in a way that gets them stuck. 
And actually, Zach, the whole idea of an individual carbon footprint was created by public relations executives from the oil industry. And the idea was, let's try to shift the burden of the climate crisis onto individuals, because if we can get them thinking about themselves, they won't be thinking about our products as much. And so my whole book is like, don't fall for that. Don't fall for the counting of your individual calories, but your daily practice, your one green thing, and it's kind of like meditation or yoga or running, this daily practice can bring more joy into your life, but you... And everyone listening to this podcast, all of us are really important cultural change agents. And when we do things like, hi, I'm Zach. I just started a We the Children podcast. You inspire others to think of themselves as change makers. If you decide to do a river cleanup and are picking up plastic, that inspires others to think about their single-use plastic and what's going on. If you share an article that you think is really important about a technology you're excited about, that makes people think about solutions in a different way. So who we are and what we do inspires culture change. And that's why individual action is so important. But the funny thing is, Zach, if we all do it, if we all take action, the math does matter. The math does add up. And so Project Drawdown, which is a great nonprofit that focuses on climate solutions, Project Drawdown says that individual and household actions can contribute up to 25% of the global carbon emission reductions we need. So even though I'm saying the math doesn't matter, the math does, if we all do it, we can get to 25%. But the other 75% can come from that culture change where we're showing people that these are values that we have in the even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is an expectation that we have of a circular economy of sustainability centered in compassion and equity and a focus on creating a, not just a livable world, not just a livable planet, but something that is beautiful and regenerative and we can be really proud of. So like when you do something individually, it has some effect, but when you work together with other people, it has bigger effects? Exactly, Zach. Exactly. And so as an individual, you're a ripple. You inspire others and together we can make the change that we need. What advice do you have for someone like me who sometimes feels like my peers aren't really paying attention and caring about the climate crisis, at least as much as I oh. Yeah, that is such an important question. I think it's important for you to know that even if you're in your particular community, you don't feel that support across the board in your generation, even if it's not happening in your zip code, 
Generation Z and Generation Alpha consider climate change their number one societal and political issue. They understand that climate intersects with everything, whether it's racial justice, whether it's economic justice, whether it's intergenerational justice, they see it as the number one issue. So the most important thing for you to know, Zach, you are not alone. But what I would encourage you to do, and this takes, this is not easy, right? Is to share what you're doing. The other thing I would encourage you, Zach, is, and you're probably already doing that, if you're doing a podcast, I think you'd be comfortable giving a talk, like giving a talk at a local nature center, starting a club at your school. There are ways for people to get really involved. Another thing is in Southern California, there are several schools that have networks of school gardens. And that's an easy way to start talking about climate. It's not necessarily where you lead. You don't lead in saying, I'm really worried about whether or not when I'm a grown up the world can sustain life, right? Because <laughs> that's really depressing and overwhelming. But if you start talking about, hey, do you know going outside can make you feel better? You know, it's good for your mental health and maybe we should put our phones down or could we do a school garden or could we start talking about food waste? When you start to have these other conversations that don't necessarily lead with climate, I think you can find a way for more people to feel like they can get involved because I think, Zach, and it may not be true for your peers, but I think a lot of people find the issue of climate change so overwhelming that they don't know where to start. And so that means they don't start. And that's why I think breaking this all, this whole concept down into this idea of just doing one green thing each day is really helpful. I promise you, even if you don't feel it, you are making a difference and other kids are being inspired by what you're doing. They just are. And I know this from the polling data, not necessarily in your particular school or community, but I know that this is the issue that is defining for your generation and Generation Z. Is that helpful, Zach? Keep doing what you're doing. I'm actually in a Jane Goodall Roots and Shoots program here in Los Angeles, where you just like, you can do little, little projects to help make a difference. And then people can fund your project or anything like that. And I started a project at school. Zach, that's so cool. You also met Jane Goodall. I saw that. That's incredible. <laughs> it's like one thing to be part of her program, which of course I support, but you also met her. How exciting. What a legend. And that's wonderful that you're doing it at school. I encourage you to keep on doing what you're doing. That's wonderful. You heard that right, folks. I was lucky enough to meet the incomparable Dr. Jane Goodall while I was traveling with my family in London. Dr. Jane Goodall is a groundbreaking scientist who is best known for her work with chimpanzees in Tanzania. She was one of the first scientists to discover the unique connections and similarities between chimps and humans. What are your top three tips for families to reduce waste at home? Oh, that's a great question. So the first thing is to focus on food waste. And you probably know this, Zach, but food waste contributes 8% of global carbon emissions. And being mindful about your food waste is the number one thing you can do to make a positive impact on the environment. So the first thing is composting. So composting at home if you can. If you can't, there's also a great opportunity. There's more and more curbside composting services that are happening. That way you can make sure that your food is composted. The second, Zach, and this is the least exciting carbon solution I can offer, but it really does make a difference, and that is menu planning, thinking about what your meals are going to be for the week and being mindful of how you want to use your leftovers. 
And then the third thing I would say is making sure that like within the whole concept of food waste is making sure too, that you're adding more plants to your diet. Meatless Mondays is a great campaign and their analysis shows that if a family of four went meatless, that's the equivalent of taking a car off the road for 1200 miles. So you can make a big difference just by adding more plants and reducing your meat intake. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I think that's important, Zach. So that's kind of the first category. And then I would talk about just being more mindful about the brands you buy and focusing on brands that have less toxic chemicals because we're talking about climate change, but I think as we all know, everything's related. So we want to have less toxic chemicals that we're exposing ourselves to. We want to think about if there's opportunities for refilling and not using as much single use plastic, that's really helpful. And then the third thing I would say would be energy efficiency because that's really important. So weatherization, if you can switch to clean energy at your home, do it. It's a great investment. It's also showing how the market is shifting and how consumers want that clean, green energy. And then finally, I would say for grownups listening to the podcast is the most important takeaway of my book is ask young people how they feel about the future we're leaving them. Because I've had some friends, Zach, that say, well, you know, your kids have eco-anxiety, Heather, because they're your kids, right? Like you do this work. So of course they're worried. But to a person, when my friends and older folks have asked young people they love about the future, almost every single one has had a game-changing conversation with young people when they hear about the stress and the concern they have about the future. And I think that intergenerational conversation is so important because young people like you, Zach, need to know you're not alone. You need to know that you have peers that think like you do. I can tell you there's data that shows it, even if you don't have that big network right now. You need to have peers, but you also need to have older generations with resources that can affect politics, that can affect and invest in climate solutions, letting you know that this isn't all on your shoulders, that we're here for you and that we're committed to being awesome ancestors and creating a beautiful, healthier, greener, more just world. What concerns you the most about climate justice? The reality is that some people don't understand that the people who've contributed the least amount of carbon pollution are suffering the most. And that is Black, Indigenous, and people of color and the global South. I think that that's what bothers me is that people don't understand that these communities care more and worry more about the climate crisis in poll after poll. I've heard a lot of kind of dismissing of like, well, that's not the number one issue, but it is absolutely the number one issue globally for people around the world and that we have to consider climate justice and our solutions. We need to invest in communities where we have put toxic chemical plants, where we have put oil and gas refineries, communities where they have Born the burden of pollution. We need to invest in them. That's where our focus of the clean energy economy needs to be. And then I think when it comes to the global South, especially the indigenous communities, I just did an interview with a young man who's from the Maasai people in Kenya and Tanzania. And he was just talking about how, what a huge impact the climate crisis, specifically the drought in Kenya has had on their cattle and their lifestyle. And they don't have the resources to be huge carbon emitters. So we need to figure out how we invest in solutions that invest in them. And that means that we have to put compassion at the center of all of our solutions. What brings you the most hope about our climate? 
Another excellent question, Zach. What gives me the most hope about our future is actually the reason I wrote the book. (laughs) It is your generation. You know that climate is the number one issue. You see that compassion and equity have to be the center of our solutions. I'm very excited about what we saw here in the United States in the midterm elections in the fall of 2022. Generation Z came out in force. It wasn't that they were opting out of the political process. In fact, they voted in record numbers. We have a Gen Z, we have a 25-year-old member of Congress from Florida. We're seeing young people not only call for change and demand change, but participate in the system in order to change it. And that's really critical. I think the other thing is the openness that Gen Z has to how we must take care of each other. That inspires me so much. And Gen Alpha is there. That compassion and caring for others is what motivates so many young activists. And the caring of others is not just humans, although, of course, it needs to be humans and that needs to be number one, but also for wildlife and the compassion for wildlife as well. And just this idea that we are protecting the earth is central to protecting our health, our mental health, our spiritual health, our emotional health. And I love that. And that's what gives me the most hope. Such cool information, Heather. Head over to onegreenthing.org to find out more information and take your service superpower assessment. And now it's time to test your green IQ. You ready, Heather? Let's get right into it. What percentage of food in the U.S. ends up wasted, meaning uneaten and in landfills? Is it A, 40%, B, 90%, C, 10%, or D, 60%? It is A, 40%. Correct. Two. In the year 2022, how much money did the U.S. Department of Agriculture have in its budget? A, $100 billion. B, $432 billion. C, $300 million. Or D, $1.5 trillion. The budget of USDA is B, $432 billion. Correct again. Not just imagine. 40% of that. Right, Zach. It's a lot of waste. There's so much opportunity for us to make an impact there. Three, you discuss forever chemicals on your website. These are chemicals that you find in everyday objects in your home and wreak havoc on our health. In which items might you find these toxins? A. Plastic toothbrush. B. Sweatshirt. C. Store-bought hair conditioner. D. Your local takeout dinner. Or E. All of the above. Zach, this is a great question. And forever chemicals do not break down. They build up in our bodies and they are everywhere. So I'm going to go with all of the above. Correct. Last question. What's something that I can do to help ease my eco-anxiety? A, beach cleanups. B, volunteering at a local community garden. C, composting. Or D, making a podcast about climate change. Or all of the above. All of the above, Zach. Just this idea of taking action each day is so important to ease eco-anxiety and also create the culture shift we need. Thanks for playing, Heather. Oh, my pleasure, Zach. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I love that game. 
But before we wrap up, let's get to our action step of the week. But wait, what's all that noise? Zach, I'm busy. Mom, there's something I really want to talk to you about. Zach, can we talk later? I have a lot going on right now. Zach, it seems like you're trying to get your mom's attention. Oh, hey Claire. I'd really like to talk to my parents about my climate anxiety and find some ways that we as a family can be more eco-forward as a home. That is a tough one. I know how hard it is to be a busy parent contending with everyday life and making lifestyle changes can be challenging. Yes, but it's important for kids to do what they can to express their feelings and get support from the adults in their life. When I shared my climate anxiety with my moms, they took me seriously, and we were able to get a plan on how to reduce waste and plastic use, switch to solar, grow food and native plants, and reduce meat in our diet. They also joined me in my passion for creating awareness. Here are some tips for having tough conversations with your parents about climate change. 1. Find a good time. Make sure your parent isn't overwhelmed or busy with work and life, and talk to them one-on-one. Two, be vulnerable. Share your worries about your future and the planet. Don't be afraid to be honest with your feelings. Three, make it personal. If your parent likes to hike, ski, fish, or anything having to do with the outdoors, explain how climate change could affect these hobbies. Even if your parent isn't outdoorsy, Remind them that climate change affects all aspects of life, food prices, shortages, and weather phenomena. Be sure to share your knowledge and facts with them. Finally, be realistic. Don't expect immediate change. Even small steps are steps in the right direction. These are really helpful tips, Zach. Anytime. I'm off to catch my mom. Mom! Okay, I'm ready to talk now, Zach. Well, that's our show, folks. As always, I'd love to hear from anyone who wants to share feedback about the podcast. So please feel free to message me through our social media. It's pretty cool. Heather has the Ancestor Pledge, along with other cool information, on her website, including a journey to connect with the Earth each day and a Think Beyond Your Age discussion guide. Lots of great information. I also want to thank my parents, my buddy Waldo, my teacher Claire, as well as the producers and engineers over at Resonant Recordings. Last but not least, you, the listener, for tuning in to We the Children Podcast. Find us on social media at We the Children Podcast, and don't hesitate to reach out. Remember, if we act together, we, the children, can inspire hope and create change for our climate. Tune in next time for more climate content. I know the planet is warming, but try to stay cool. This is Zachary James, signing off. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.